Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Elias Kandalaft. Elias is a chef and the managing director of Pinch Gourmet, the UAE's leading catering company. His culinary journey started back in 2009, where he attended culinary school in Canada, and over the years has worked and trained at some of the world's top restaurants. Today, Pinch has won multiple awards, including the Cater Award for the past two years, and the business has expanded to service retail, restaurants, food packaging, and more. During this episode, we discuss his culinary journey and the story behind Pinch Gourmet. He shows with us his perspective on food, the challenges of running a catering company, and what it truly means to be a chef. And the last message he wanted to share is don't let your ego get in the way, put it aside, move forward, and enjoy the journey. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Elias Kandala. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So, Elias, I've known about, not you, but I've known about Pinch for years. And this is not to blow smoke up your ass. I really think you guys are <laughs> fucking good. Like, uh, they actually did uh, our engagement party too. And that was amazing. Haramlan is like, I didn't eat anything. I'm like, yo, I went and I ate. <laughs> I made sure. That's good, man. That was amazing. Um, uh, everyone speaks so highly of you guys and the work you've done and what you've built over the last like seven years. So congrats to you on that um, as a customer and as a fan. Uh, thank you. Thank you, man. Um, but before we get into everything, Elias, I wanted to learn a bit more today about, you know, your journey, your story with food, uh, the industry here, what you've learned, and we can pick up the conversation from there. So just give us a little bit of background and we can take it from there. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. I heard the podcast uh, the other day, and I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Thank so you so much. My hats off to you, sir. Thank you. Um, in terms of the journey, like you know, as you saw, like it took us quite a while to get to where we are today, uh, and it started off, uh, you know, as a young kid. You know, I've always been kind of interested in cooking, and okay. you know, having that what I thought was confidence. I thought, you know, it's easy. You can cook. It's, it's uh, an easy yeah, thing whatever. to do. You're in university. You throw a steak in the oven. Okay, now I'm a chef, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, but I think as time moved on and I was, I was in university and I was nearing the end of my career, mm. uh, I decided, oh my God, I need to figure out what, what, I'm, what the hell I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm a marketing student and, you know, still trying to figure it out. Uh, I did a lot of odd jobs. Like yeah, promoting. Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah, a promoter yeah. at a nightclub. Oh, no yeah, just by chance because I used to go to this <laughs> nightclub randomly. And I used to bring 40, 50 friends. Oh, perfect. And the guy came to me. He's like, do you want a job here? I'm like, what do I have to do? He's like, nothing. He's like, I'm just going to pay you per person that comes. So, you know, I was just going around giving free tickets, just say my name. And I get $3 per person. So 200 bucks That's a not weekend. Bad. And, yeah, That's not bad. Good. Especially uni days. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I was always into that music, but I never found like my true calling. And I went to, when I was in Concordia, we did a class called uh, uh, Marketing of Food. And there was this oh, like okay. really cool professor. His name is Dr. Jordan Labelle. Okay. And uh, he basically had a PhD in chocolate. In so, chocolate? In chocolate, You yeah. can get a PhD in chocolate? Yeah, like he got a <laughs> bunch of different, like basically this guy's an expert in anything to do with chocolate. Okay. And he does restaurant consulting and he's a professor at, uh, I think he's also in Cornell, okay. but at Concordia University, John Molson. Gotcha. And we took this class and it's so much fun, everything to do with food, marketing, uh, you know, what big companies do, what restaurants do, consulting. And near closer to the end of the class, I asked him, I'm like, sir, I want to be in the F&B industry. And I was thinking more, you know, the big companies, the Nestle's, the Kraft, mm, mm. the uh, maybe over, or, like opening a chain of restaurants. And yeah, he's like, yeah. and he told me this, he's like, you need to learn to be a chef. You need to go to culinary school. I told him, but I don't really want to do that. I, I thought I didn't want to. 
And he's like, trust me. He's like, I have a PhD in chocolate. I have a master's in finance. He's like, but I also went to culinary school. And I know the product better than anyone else because I studied the product. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I spoke to my dad and my dad really pushed it. He's like, go for it. He's oh, like, really? It. Yeah, okay. my dad was all, okay. and which is very progressive for an Arab father. Yeah. He's like, go be a chef, be yeah. a cook. You exactly. Know, tabakh, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom was completely against it at first sure. because she was scared, you know. Yeah, we're all scared. Yeah. So I went to culinary school. I went to uh, Cordon Bleu in Ottawa and it was hell. I hated it. Like really? from, I, from week one, I wanted to quit. And I called my parents. I'm like, this is not for me. I hate it because the professors are monsters. You know, yeah, they come I to you imagine. and like they come to you with a ruler and you're sitting, cho- you're chopping carrots. You know, it's a task that we've all done and we've all quote unquote mastered. But he'd come with a ruler and start measuring. He's like, okay, this piece is okay. The rest are shit. And he throw it in the garbage. And he started throwing all the, to all of us, we were 15 in the class. He kept throwing in the garbage and he'll come and he'll put the garbage in your face. He's like, Right here in front of me, in the garbage, there's about $15. And he'll come and ask you, he's like, what's $15 times 365? And I'm like, uh, uh, he's like, exactly, that's a lot of money. You know, and they'd hit you with these reality checks of how tough a kitchen is and everything. And I hated it because I've never been in that military structure. I've mm. never been yeah. pushed to the limit. I've kind of skimmed by university, high school. Like, I, you know, I was never a straight A student, but I was like, I'd get by, you know, B's, sure. C's. You know, but near the end of university, I started doing really well. Nice, nice. Because I was trying to find my path. And, yeah. And they kept beating us down, beating us down. I was hating it. But then we started doing pastries and cakes and different things. And then butchery. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. And it just picked up and I was, I was starting to enjoy it. Yeah. And then when we did our internships working in a real kitchen, like you see how chefs are ba- bastards. I'm sorry to like yeah, use yeah. that term, but yeah, like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're not nice people. But there's a common goal. You yes. Know, for, making sure you have the best plate in front of the customer yes. that they're happy yeah. and you kind of you your life is based on trying to make the customer happy like yeah. you're selflessly giving it your all just to make sure that the customer gives you a five star rating or yeah. says okay this is a good plate so it picked up and you know I was working in Montreal in Canada and I worked in a couple of restaurants and you know 16 hours a day it was brutal it was brutal God i damn but Damn, yeah, yeah. your feet the whole time 16 too. 16 hours, yeah. Because I was slow also. We had an hour and a half break, quote unquote, but I sucked and I was so slow that I needed that hour and a half to catch up with everyone. Gotcha. I needed to cut lemons and all that stuff. And like we'd do like 12 liters of lemon, 20 liters of salmon tartare, 20 liters of beef tartare. And this is all like the prep before you guys open for like service, yeah. right? Yeah. We had a list. You follow the list and shut up and do your work. So the mise en place, basically. That's mise what you guys place. Got Yeah, you. you know your words. I got you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we mise en place everything and just get it, get it done. I don't care. The only thing you're allowed to say in the kitchen is yes, chef. So it was quite <laughs> wow. militant, okay. you know, yeah, but it was yeah, fun. Yeah. The guys around you are fun. We're in this together. It's like a brigade. Like yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's like an army. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. There's soldiers, lieutenants, and that's how they structure the. Oh, that that's like executive, so, sous chef, uh, pastry, exactly. All that so kind it's of. like colonel, lieutenant. I don't know the army structure, yeah. but it's like that. Yeah. And uh, there's a famous author. His name is uh, Augustus Escoffier. He wrote the Culinary Guide. Okay. It's a French book, and it's all about. He basically turned the army structure into and he he put that into the kitchen so head okay. chef sous chef all that okay. the lines and who reports to who he did it like that and it works okay it seems to work 
So as time went on, and I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to move back to Dubai, you know, like my family's back and forth between Canada and Dubai. I want to I go back. I want to be back in Dubai and open a restaurant. I'm 27. Yeah. I was, uh, sorry to interrupt you because I was curious. Uh, funny that you said that because when, uh, when I was doing my research and looking at your story, I'm like, okay, I saw marketing. I saw you were like GE for like an internship, whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, 09 <laughs> is when he started getting into food and then mm. pastry and so on. So I guess my, naturally I would think, I'm like, okay, he went down the, the chef route. Mm. In my mind, I thought he would either go join um, one of like the top restaurants, either here or globally, wh- whatever the case might be, or open his own. But interestingly, you went down the catering route, which is something, I guess, from an outsider's perspective, I, w- I guess surprised me. Yeah. Um, the story behind that, so being a 27-year-old chef thinking I'm God, I was only a sous chef. Like I never had a head chef role. I come back here thinking I'm going to open up a Zuma or something big. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's like, what I would have thought. That exactly. is the every exactly. 20-something, mid-20s-year-old dream <laughs> is to open a restaurant, have something, slap your name on it. Yeah. Um, and as I was looking for places and investors and everything, it's hard. Are you going to give your money to a 25-year-old kid who just came from Canada, who doesn't know the market? It was a tough sell. And every and this I came back in 2014 where okay. rents were... Where it's skyrocketing, yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you wanted a space, you have to pay key money, and like you mm. know, oh, the owner's willing to give you the space, but you got to give him. It's like, oh my god! So it started off with my parents, you know, throwing a Christmas party. I mean, uh, guys, I'll do the turkey and the salads, and then it's my sister's like, oh, it's my husband's birthday, can you do something? So I made something for them. And then it became the, oh, it's my, and my mom's friends started calling me. They're like, hey, we saw you cooked for your mom. Can you do something for us? And that's kind of how the ball started rolling. And it was fun, but it it was very difficult. Catering for me, like if you tell me do it all over again, I think four or five times before I do it because of how difficult it is. Okay. Because you're not in your comfort zone. You're not in your space. Mm. You're not in your element. In a restaurant, you're at home. Yeah. You're you know where everything is. I know is. where the spoons are, the forks, the cutlery. Yeah. You know, if there's a problem, you go downstairs, you fix it, whatever it is. But you're in someone's home. Mm. And you ca- you go to someone's home, you have everything. You have lists, you packed everything. Oh, crap, I forgot to bring a colander. I need to strain the potatoes after them. What the hell do I do? So you start thinking on your feet. You get a bowl, poke, uh, put an aluminum foil, poke some holes in it, <laughs> and just strain it. it. You'll think of something. <laughs> it makes you stronger and everything. But and resourceful, I guess. Yeah, very resourceful. So I was basically a restaurant chef who worked in catering. And I was so adamant on having all the ingredients be from scratch. From scratch, Which yeah. is a great thing, but it's in, especially in catering. And even restaurants, I'm not t- trying to take that away from them. It's very hard making your own bread butchering your own meat, uh, doing all these things is very difficult, but you taste it, you feel it. Mm-hmm. The product, you know, you, you can, like when we do your events and we're cooking the lamb or anything, we're doing it there on site. On site, yeah. I'm coming six hours before to cook the lamb. Yeah. So that by the time the guests arrive, the lamb is perfectly cooked. We're going to chop it up, put it in the rolls. I'm sure you've probably had it. Uh, or t- it's been fantastic, yeah. <laughs> bro, yeah. It's excellent. So that's basically how we started. It, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to open a catering company, but we did. And I was like, yay, <laughs> I have a company now. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I love, uh, I love that story. Kind of similar to you with the work uh, I'm doing now with my with podcast consulting. I never, like that was never an idea. Also, if you asked me two years ago, oh, you, you'll have a podcast and still be doing it two years later, I'd be like, ah, bro, whatever, mm, like exactly. why? <clears throat> um, but then, yeah, kind of like you, 
one person asked okay whatever two three and then people like close people i was just helping out whatever and then people from like further out would come and be like okay my fiance was like you got to start charging people i'm like you charge one charge two i'm like okay mm, there's there something <laughs> here there's a demand here whatever and then that's how things have kicked off very similarly uh to you um food for me has always been a huge part of my life i'm the biggest foodie in the world you heard on the episode yeah. like with chang like <laughs> I, I love food bro um and i think though that i'd like to hear from you what is your if i told you elias describe to me how you think of food or what your perspective on food is what would you say oh that's a good question um so i'm gonna revert back to one thing and then i'm gonna answer your question when you say foodie, you're such a big foodie. Um, that's a word I feel, unfortunately, is very loosely thrown around. Like, you know, okay. if you go to... Okay. And by the way, I'm not taking this no, away no, from no, you. No, 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 You fine. seem... I've listened to a couple of your episodes and you seem to really know and you're curious and you start seeing, okay, where is this from? You know, ch- the beauty of Chang's store at 1004 Gourmet is he's getting all these beautiful ingredients from Asia. Yeah. And this is stuff that we don't have here. So he's basically doing us a huge service. Huge. So, the yeah. restaurant industry here at FMB, everyone here owes him a huge, you know, thank you for yeah. bringing all these ingredients here and, you know, kind of introducing us to a new cuisine, you know, of course, like how yeah. many Japanese, uh, Thai, uh, different types of restaurants. And he's also tapping into other ingredients. Yeah. So, you know, for him, like he did such a fantastic job. And, you know, foodie, a lot of people say, oh, we're foodies. We really like food and everything. And for me, that's a term that's a bit loosely thrown because it's like okay you like you enjoy going to restaurants and everything that's great but that doesn't really necessarily make you a foodie Mm. if you go into the ingredients and you start like for me when someone cooks a dish or if i cook a dish or when i'm going around making a dish i want to first source the best ingredients you know yeah making sure like you're treating and also treating the ingredients with care that's a big thing you know brisket why is brisket such a difficult thing and such a delicious thing it's meat that's been smoked for three hours and then cooked for an additional like 14 hours it's time you know slowly it's an art it is it really is an art you know and i think that's what i think about food like when somebody tells me like why do you think on on menus we write 16 hour cooked braised brisket or something like that it's because we spend 16 hours cooking this so that you can enjoy it for yeah. like five minutes or 10 <laughs> minutes, you know? So there's an art, you know, like uh, certain dishes like foie gras, like, you know, I saw something from uh, Oceano. He, uh, I saw it on his Instagram. He made a foie gras candle, you know, like... Candle? Yeah, yeah so basically the, s- the service is he puts the candle on the table, but it turns out, oh, hey, by the way, this is a foie gras candle. So oh. you can actually eat this. So they take it and they cut it up for no you. No way. It, which is a very unique That's idea. Very cool. I love that idea. Yeah, I yeah. would... No, I would never think of that. I can't, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even say that. Uh, but I appreciate that, you know. Yeah. But you know, most chefs also we we eat a lot of garbage food, especially when you work sixteen hours, something like that. You have the time to cook yourself like a proper clean exactly. meal. Like, and so the only thing open late at night is McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Ijaza yeah. Cafeteria, yeah. <laughs> the Dubai, the, the, Dubai, the Dubai kids with yes, all that sir. one. But sure. but I appreciate when people put their time and effort, and that's what I do with a lot of our catering. You know, I've being in catering. Sometimes you have to succumb to someone asking for a simple menu of forty, fifty dirhams a person, salad, sandwich, soup. That's it. Caesar salad, club sandwich, like something. I've I'm I've been okay with that, but twenty seven year old me was not okay with that. 
and we lost you lose a lot of business because people come yeah. to you they're like oh we have an event we're 200 people we just want sandwich salad soup and i'm like i don't want to do that you You're, know you wanted to do more yeah like something more um, elegant i mm. guess maybe but you're limited to budget of i course. have 50 dirhams what can i do with 50 dirhams so like chicken vegetarian yeah it it's a double-edged sword kid. yeah like you know you you can get a lot of business do a lot of food solutions but uh unfortunately like you have to that but then there's the the home catering like when we catered your event yeah yeah we bring the nice tables we put it and mm-hmm. we we set up the food we cook it live in front of you ask the customer do you want this do you want that do you want it a bit more spicy do you want and it's quite interactive it's yeah, fun it is. and that's what we're known for mm. we're known for the live interactive stations yeah no the live man the live stations have always been i think the biggest hit across the board in any event that i've been to where you guys were i was just living at the live station so yeah. I, like, I want this I want, that, I want that no it's really cool um, you said something earlier, and it made me think about something that we hear a lot. You said something that's very important to you is that you, you know, not only sourcing the fresh ingredients, but tr- uh, treating them with care. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've heard, because I've watched so much food stuff, is treating an ingredient, respecting the ingredient. Now, I want to ask you, so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that means. I kind of have an idea, but let me, if I gave an example, I'm like, Elias, what's the difference between respecting and not respecting an ingredient? So, for example, if you're, and this is the simplest example, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, anyone yeah. can get this. If I'm giving you an A5 Wagyu-like steak that came from Japan, it's like 1,000 dirhams a kilo or something, or like something like that, and you cook it well done, shame on you. Yeah. You know, like yeah, that is, that's the, blasphemy. That is blasphemy. It's, yeah. that's the simplest example I can give, you know, and you know, t- another thing is like, for example, when you get tomatoes from the supermarket or something like that, like a lot of these tomatoes that come from outside, they're refrigerated. They, you shouldn't refrigerate your tomatoes. Tomatoes should stay outside, you know, cause when you refrigerate them, they get hard and everything mm-hmm. and you lose the, the, com- like you lose the taste and like the complexity, the texture of okay. the ingredients. So that's maybe another example. But I think the meat example is a that, big one. Yeah, that one, like I immediately get what you're talking about. You know, like bavette steak shouldn't be cooked more than medium mm. because anything more, it's rubbery and chewy. And you just paid money, a lot of money for something that haram. Like you, yeah. you shouldn't do these type of things. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the easiest example I can give. Yeah. This leads me on to a next another question. That example that you said. Let's say I I come to a restaurant. Okay, um, I order this A five beef, whatever. I want it well done. You're the chef. Okay, you know it should never in the world be well done, and it will ruin it. Is the customer always right when it comes to food? Uh, so the cu- <laughs> so I'll tell you one thing. The customer is not always right. Uh, there needs to be some sort of balance because if the customer okay. crosses any line, whether it's like in terms of being rude to the staff and everything, for me, I'm I'm extremely protective of the yeah. staff. Do not do not swear at my staff. Do not talk to them in a bad way. This for me is crossing a line. If you want your steak well done, that's on you. I have a competitor, and I'm not going to say any names or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, heard yeah. a story where they refused to cook a piece of steak too well done because it has to be medium rare and she's pregnant you know and i'm not gonna say anything or anything but they refuse and i was like you you can't she's pregnant she can't eat it and i understand his take on it i completely understand you get the food brain you get the food side there's food brain but there's also just 
whatever dude she's there you know let her it's one steak Habibi yeah, like okay. I, I have that Arab mentality and so do you like Mashiha like <laughs> let <laughs> it go yeah, whatever yeah. so for me it's fine you know I don't know what 27 year old me would say because I was like no it has to be medium medium rare is the best cooking temperature blah 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 <laughs> but no I've set all that aside because at the end of the day like you're in the service industry you're servicing people Yeah. crossing the line is talking bad to staff being gotcha. rude gotcha causing a ruckus of some sort. That's mm-hmm. crossing the line. And no, the customer is not right. The customer is right. Fine. You want your steak? We'll tell you, hey, by the way, we don't recommend it. I want it. Sure. No problem. That's fine. You're but paying as, for it. As for, so for you, is it as long as I'm doing my duty of telling you how this probably should be enjoyed, if you don't want that, then I give it to you. But then it's out, it's out of my hands. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've said my piece. I told you my, you know, my, my take on that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, gotcha. And... and it's important to let the customer know. And the nice thing about catering that you can do is because we're negotiating via call, WhatsApp, email, it's or we're coming to your home, we put it in writing. Yeah. By the way, we don't recommend, like, for example, our bao buns. We don't recommend that you order this for delivery because they will get very cold and so on and so forth. And then be like, yeah, but I don't care. I want it delivered. Sure. No problem. And then we okay. send a message as per your message. And we'll say it on the quotation, like not recommended for delivery. And you 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 cover Just covering your, your bases, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. That makes no. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to uh, come back a little bit because I haven't had a chance to speak to like someone who had trained at culinary school before, like as a chef. I've seen, you know, like all the what's the the master chefs, the mm. kitchen nightmares, the uh, the hell's kitchen, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff. So I've seen all that, but I've never had a chance to sit down and speak to someone who went through uh, the culinary process. So, how could you tell us about those like first few years of just like after going from culinary school and then working under all these like chefs in that militant mm-hmm. environment do you is it literally like we see like oh you start like yeah you scrub the floor you chop potatoes for like 10 hours a day for like months whatever until now you're worthy of uh, or pro- of proving yourself to move to that is it like because i feel in i don't know with food is it a very what's the word is it a very culty in a way process like this is the method how to be a great chef you start from the bottom and then Mm -hmm. you get here but what if what if i'm like what if i'm not a zero i'm i'm starting at a two you know i have some skills already do i still need that much time to become like a head chef or can you tell me i'm just so curious about all that well i started from zero so for me uh and i've seen people who've come in like halfway you know they're already good but uh restaurants have a good a good good way of humbling you like, okay, yeah. so you come in, you say, oh, I know how to do this, blah, blah, blah. And they'll make sure you don't know how to do this. Like, it's that, like, brutal. And because they want you to follow their system. Very simply. Like, this okay. is this is our system. This is how we do it. And there's no shortcuts. I, I've worked in, so I've worked in really good places. Like, amazing, like, similar to La Petite Maison. Style, like, yeah, like, like the top. Like, uh, the top and I've worked in some mid-level I don't want to call them crap but they were mid-level yeah. where the owner doesn't give a crap he's drunk at the bar all the time <laughs> okay. and it was an open kitchen concept and if you look at the kitchen it's very nice and clean but like behind the machines it was a nightmare um, and it used to bother me that and I used to tell the chef come on chef let's clean let's do stuff and I think that's why I liked me because I came from a great kitchen to this mediocre one and I was because I was trying out yeah. new like new restaurants new positions and everything and um you know, it was difficult to kind of accept that, but mm. whatever. Sure. But when you start from zero, you're immediately humbled. You don't know anything. And don't tell us, you know, oh, just because you saw on YouTube. You need to cut 
hundreds of onions. You need to cut all the lemons, the tartar. And then when they see that you're getting it, they're like, okay, you're not going fast enough. Go faster. And I, I honestly, I had a chef that used to bully the crap out of me. Really? Yeah. I don't know if he had an issue with me or if he just, he, he was a... Like the hazing, like, you know, I'm The hazing, I'm gonna, the power hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a great story actually about please, hazing. Please, please tell me. Um, so I used to boil like 50 eggs. And then once they're done, you know, timer's up, you throw them in an ice bath. Done. And then you start, cool. once it's in the ice bath, you start cracking them and everything. Sure. So I'm cracking them. And then I cracked one and it was completely raw. Okay. And I was sh- blown away. I was shocked. I was like, how the hell? Like I cracked 10 before that were like fully cooked and this yeah. one's completely raw. I'm like, what the hell? So I clean up and everything. And then I keep going. And then like maybe five, six in. Another one is completely raw, and I'm, I, I don't understand. It's yeah. like, this, this does not make sense. This yeah. is not They're in the possible. same bath, same time, same, same bath, everything, everything. everything. Turns out, when I wasn't looking, a bunch of the guys threw like five, <laughs> no six way. eggs inside, <laughs> and they were all raw. And it was the funniest thing ever. And, and I saw the guy, like, he tapped me on the shoulder. I looked, and then, like, some guy's throwing more eggs. And I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> and then one chef told, told me that if you... If you flip an egg and it goes fast, it's cooked. If it wobbles, it's not cooked. Obviously, there's liquid inside. So okay. I figured, and now when I crack eggs, I do that spinning thing. I it never became like, that until you know, you the inception it. where yeah, it spins yeah, the thing? We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do that with eggs. So that's one. Another one is go get me, like, go to the restaurant next door, get us two buckets of steam. And you go to the restaurant with two buckets, and like, I need some steam. And like, it's, they're just <laughs> messing with you. So it was just, it's <sighs> just jokes. So that's the hazing part. But like, the chef who used to, on my ass all the time. Yeah, You're yeah. not going fast enough. Go faster. Let's go. And he'll throw a gratin in the oven. He'd be like, yo, 45 minutes, uh, take it out. So I put, I'm like, okay, let me put a timer. I put a timer. He's like, what, what are you being a pussy? Come on, man. You just 45 minutes. I'm like, yeah, but. Oh, wow. And he was oh, renowned shit. for doing this because he'd fire people if you burn the gratin. Wow. And he'd bully, wow. bully, God bully. Damn. So you, you have know? to like learn how to like, okay, like mentally somehow gauge what 45 minutes is. Or yeah. unless you're like checking. And like, what are you jerk. being a pussy? Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. bro. <laughs> And it was a lot of that. And like uh, one day I, uh, I worked 10 days straight and, or eight days. I can't remember. I worked like straight. And then it was my day off the next day. And I had a meeting. I honestly had a meeting. And he comes to me. He's like, can you come in tomorrow? I'm like, listen, I have a meeting in the morning, something for my pops. I'm like, I can come in by noon. Is that okay? And he looks at me. He's like, okay, sure. So I'm like, great. I walk in. I'm holding my knife. Kid. He's like, oh. You don't need that today. This is the next day. He's like, you, you won't be using that today. I'm like, why? He's like, you're cleaning the smokers today. We used to smoke salmon and smoke uh, a bunch of different things. I was like, okay. That's not my job. And you can put on these big gloves. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And ho- boiling hot water and you have to clean. And it took me like four hours. And Chef had left by that point. Like he was done. And I'm ready to start prepping. And then the sous chef comes in. He's like, hey, listen, he called. He wants you to clean the fridges. I'm like, all of them? He's like, yeah, we have three fridges. Three Fuck. massive fridges. Like, like one of them's the size of this room. Yeah, you know yeah I can I, imagine. He's like, and he's like, and if you don't do a good job, you're screwed tomorrow. I'm like, fine, okay. Like, I don't know. He had this thing. But you see that, the hazing. I'm not for it. I, don't, I refuse to do that with my team. I don't raise my voice. But for me, it's no shortcuts. Don't take a shortcut. If this is supposed to be here, you put it here. And they used to do that. They'd open the fridges. And he'd tell me, why is the salad here, not here? And I'd be like, well, because it's easier for me to reach it here. He's like, put it back, you know. And then I'd move something else like an idiot, mm. you know. And he's like, why is this here? And I'm like, oh, because, you know, if I'm doing tartare, I'm doing a lot of tartare. I grab it with my left hand. He's, and he stops me. He's like, listen, 
there's your way. The restaurant I worked at was called Le Mayak. He's like, there's your way and there's the Le Mayak way. You want to do it your way? Fuck off. You can wow. fuck off right now. Do you want to do it my way? I'm like, yes. He's like, don't change anything. This is a fridge. I moved it here. He's like, this is how we do it. And this restaurant's still open to date. Wow. They've been open since for like 20 something years. Wow. It's well, an amazing restaurant. They must be doing something right for they're, 20 years. They're killing respect, it. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the, you know, the hazing, all that stuff. And yeah. You slowly learn that you have to go through the BS in order to gain the skills to do stuff. And that's the best chef. The best chefs, honestly, a lot of them didn't do a good, go to culinary school. They were stewards. They were cleaning, washing dishes. I've washed dishes before. It sucks. It's a garbage job. It's smelly. You're wet all the time. You're constantly dirty. But you're, you learn. You learn how to... Or, if you know how to organize a pot wash area, you're... you're en route to being a great chef interesting because yeah. i was because th- as you were explaining like you know washing the dishes and whatever i was you know in my head thinking you know that wax on wax off <laughs> karate kid but in my head i'm like what did he what could he have learned from washing dishes you like the organizing like ah i didn't think of that yeah. i didn't know that it's so interesting that in the uh, sorry to no, cut please, you off please, but please, i wanted please. to add to that yeah, because please. while you're washing pots and pans yeah and you're organizing it and Let's say you're about to have everything clean and ready. Some, I, I, I wanted to say you a bad say word. Okay, some dickwad comes yeah. in and throws in like 50 pots. And he's like, here you go. And they don't say it. They just throw it in. And you accept it. You shut up and you clean it. Just, yep, okay, That's next. your job. You are there to clean the pots and pans. Nothing else. Mm. Shut up and do your job. So you can be as organized. And then you start to create a system. And you start telling, hey, forks and knives over here. Anything sharp over here, I don't want cutting. I don't want to be cutting my hands. So you, be, then you start gaining confidence. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, yeah. what usually happens is, some guy walks off the line. You're in the middle of service. Life is difficult because it's very difficult. We call it when you're in the weeds or in the shit. Yeah, you're in. You're, it's you're, game you're time. screwed. You're in and service. You're so stressed, and you, yeah. you leave. You're like, I'm getting the fuck out. And you they can, walk off. I've seen can. it happen. That's Chef disaster, will though. go to a steward. He's like, you come here right now. You're making salads. That's all you're doing. And you that's uh, and some of the people who taught me that's how they became chefs wow. you know they were on the pot wash because they, they were working their way through university and chef comes and is like give me uh give me uh what's it called give me some salads right now you're the salad guy right now and the guy who comes back he's like okay you just lost your job thank you very much goodbye wow you know, ruthless so, yeah like yeah. nothing yeah it's army yeah it's army don't it, it sounds like it you know i didn't, I didn't even know that Every kitchen has its own like system and mm. rules, and this is how things work, and blah blah blah, and like things like you were telling me, like placing this like here and yeah. placing this there. Fuck, that's so interesting. I had no idea because it's dangerous, you know. Like it's this so dangerous. It's this it's food. food. First of all, food. The like not the likelihood. Like food poisoning comes from, you know, not putting the food in the fridge immediately. Yeah, cross contamination, like, all that stuff. When you lose power in your fridge, and this happened to us once. The power just went off, you know, or, or you flip a switch off and it turns out it's the f- switch for the fridge and you leave home and you come the next day and the fridge is off. Oh my God. You, you just lost throw, You throw everything. everything. You have no choice. It's not like, oh, whatever, maybe we can salvage this. No, no, you throw it. So Fuck. you could potentially kill people. That's one, you know, you break glass in the, and then, and it goes in the food contaminants. And that's why municipality here are so strict and thank God for them. Mm. They're so strict but they're there to help you. They're not, they're not malicious. You know? Yeah, we're, not, we're like, not here to you know screw you over. They're not looking for you to like screw up so they can get you. It's like we we're here these to help. need to be in place so that you can operate like yeah. safely for people. And stuff. Exactly. And if you don't do it, 
we're going to shut you down. You know, so. Sim- yeah, simple. Militant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, I wanted to ask you, because this is something that, is, you, you said something very interesting that the best chefs didn't go, didn't go to culinary school. Yeah. As someone, as someone who has gone to culinary school, because food is a, okay, I need to gather my thoughts because mm. I have so many things to <laughs> ask okay. you in this question. I'm ready for you. All right. So food, food in particular is an industry, I feel, where there's no necessarily barriers to entry. Mm. If you can create a tasty product and people like it, you could start something. I'm yes. not saying you'll be super successful, but there's no really barrier to, to entry. Mm. So then the question becomes, if there is no barrier to entry, what is the benefit of going to culinary school rather than people who just be, were like, you know, home cooks, they love cooking. And over time, they, they just got better and better. And then they entered into the food, uh, food industry. So what's the difference in your mind now that you've gone and you've seen and you've worked through that path compared to someone who did maybe just randomly fell into it because they like cooking and yeah, we make good food. Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic question. And I and I thought of that. I'm like, okay, these these guys, half of them didn't go to culinary school. I did. And in comparison, I suck. Experience trumps everything. Absolutely. And this yeah. is with work, with uh, with corporates, with anything. Experience always trumps everything. Could so, you just move the mic slightly? Okay, towards, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. Okay. Yeah, good. yeah. So experience definitely trumps everything. That's number one. Uh, number two, when you go to culinary school, you're, it's kind of like going to business school. You, okay. When somebody throws a term at you or something, or, hey, can you go, or I'm going to talk culinary now, go brunoise the carrots. You already you know what brunoise means. You know? You're going to cut it in a certain way or julienne them or do this. So you go in with a bit of an added advantage, and you're armed more with knowledge. Okay. The dangerous thing with culinary school, and I realize this over time, the, it's a good thing, is that you learn a lot about French cooking, how it's supposed to be, why you braise. It locks in the flavor. The, the, like with brisket, like there's all this intramuscular fat. And then all the intramuscular fat, when you cook it over a long period of time at a low temperature, it melts. It becomes super juicy. Like you learn that. But when you're on the job or thing, uh, or when you're on the job or you know, cooking for the first time, you're not armed with that knowledge. And you're mm-hmm. not armed with the skills. So they force you to... Like we we do this thing where you turn carrots, you like tourne, like uh, yeah, yeah. So like you, you kind of peel it in like that spiral, right? No, not the spiral. Oh, okay. It's a, it's like a bullet, double edged bullet. Okay, it's I'm, a it's a weird. It's like a football. Okay, it looks like a yeah, football, yeah, yeah, yeah. but with seven sides exactly. So motor skills, they teach you that. But you can learn that in a kitchen. Like you can have an awesome, amazing chef that can do that. And now we're YouTube is the best thing on earth. I threw away all my cordon bleu recipes because. I realized, okay, these are these are basic French cooking. It exists everywhere. You know, I just remember them. The chocolate mousse recipe, I'll never forget. It's a great recipe. The mayonnaise, you know, the basics, the bechamels, what are the five mother sauces? And you'll know they're X, Y, Z. So that's the good thing about culinary school. And you have a bit of an added advantage in terms of knowledge and a bit of that motor skills. So let's say you have a supper club. It goes really, really well. And then you open a restaurant. And we've seen this. This happens in Dubai, you know, and they open a restaurant. I don't know their experience per se, but I can imagine is once they get to working in a restaurant for the first time and everything, it's going to be a huge culture shock on Mm. how things run. Like you have a vision of how things are supposed to work. And most of the people there aren't educated. They're doing this job because they have to. And it's kind of adjusting to that that environment Mm. of, okay, not everyone's following your vision. Not everyone's kind of taking shortcuts and things like that. So yes, culinary school kind of, 
brings you to light all these things and they teach you and they ex- they make you they examine you and they make you learn all the terminology they like put it in your head like this mm. is the terminology this is what you do your sauce is too salty add some cream make it less salty uh, make more volumes of it like they give you these tricks these tricks of the trade mm. which will take a little bit longer if you don't go to culinary school yeah you'd have to learn it on you know as you go along yeah but yeah. online it's obs- being obsessive and that's yeah. the only thing that i don't like about my job of catering is i cannot obsess over one thing i have to obsess over the whole art yeah which kind of it makes it difficult because i love brisket i think brisket's amazing but i can't obsess over it i love uh, pasta and pizza and we make it from scratch but I can't obsess over it. So I can't be the best at it. So And that okay. competitive nature in me see, makes me I say, oh, I really want to and I want to obsess. But I also know how to do 300 of it, other things quite well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, do, do um, first of all, it's very interesting that from the motor skills perspective is something you could probably pick along, pick up either way. Exactly. But it sounds like culinary school really gives you a foundation of not just cooking, but food. Yeah. Like, what is food? Like, the, the health, the chemistry of it, the biology yeah. of it, when to use it, like, all that stuff. So, Like, what is yeast? Where does yeast come from? Exactly. Like, how did they used to make yeast back in the day and yeah, ferment yeah, yeah. things? What is fermentation? Like, they go into those details, but this is all available online. So I'm not saying don't go to culinary school. It helps if you can afford to go, go. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. But a lot of people are not fortunate and able to pay for that or they don't have the time or you know whatever it may be yeah and i think like you said uh, on the whole youtube front bro if you just look at my if you look at my tiktok or like youtube it's, it's just food food, <laughs> food. i'm like oh, i'll make this one day i never do oh, i'll make this yeah. one day i never do um so when i was living uh in amsterdam uh, my last year i was like okay Charles, i'm pretty sick of like ordering mm. i want to start cooking so <laughs> I would go, I had like the Tasty app and I would just go find like a random recipe. I'm like, okay, this looks like something I want. I'll try to make it. And I can like, speaking from my own experience, like I remember I posted once uh, because this is, this is what used to frustrate me the most about um, cooking. I'm Mm. like, like, this is the recipe. I followed the recipe. Why isn't it the same? Mm. You know, and it would frustrate the hell out of me. At once I like did chicken and like I posted about it. My friend called me, he's like, don't fucking eat that, bro. You're going to die. Yeah, I'm like, oh, really? No, he's like, no, it's not cooked. I'm like, it's basically sushi, white. Yeah. Chicken sushi. Yeah, yeah chicken sushi. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I like, like, kind of like what you said, like as time went on, uh, I got better. Food, tar- food started tasting better. But I think there's a difference between a cook and a chef. A cook, I think anyone could be a cook. A cook, mm. in my mind, and from my perspective, a cook, oh, there's a recipe, I can create that, and I can replicate that, and it's going to taste good. A chef is, I, I believe at least, where that next layer comes in mm. of conceptualizing, not following a recipe, I'm going to make my, my own dish. So for someone who I would, like, I, I'm sure you consider yourself a chef. Yes, Com- <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> Does it frust- can it be frustrating sometimes with people who are just like home cooks start calling themselves like, oh, yeah, I'm a chef and like all that shit. Oof. And being a home cook and because I've learned this from watching Hell's Kitchen and like Master Chef is like because Gordon Ramsay says like there's one thing you can make good food for one thing. Mm. There's a whole other thing if you want to work in a kitchen and like eventually lead a kitchen, bro, it's not even yeah. that's like what a chef is. So 
I guess, what is a chef in your mind? A uh, chef is a problem solver. A pro- so, okay. So in your situation where you had the chicken sushi, yeah. uh, you know, a chef would say, oh, no, it's not cooked. You know, what's the temperature of that? No, I need to cook it a bit more without getting it too dry. So a chef will be able to figure that stuff out. Um, when it comes to cooking at home versus cooking in bulk and like for restaurants for like a couple hundred people, like we do a few hundred meals a day, yeah, like yeah, pinch, yeah. and we do corporates daily. We send them food, chafing dishes. There's the also logistics with catering. Um, it's different because when you're cooking a single meal at home, it's it's easier. Uh, obviously, it's harder when you don't have the help, someone to help you clean up and everything. It's a lot easier, and when you cook in bulk, it's different. You know, you have to figure out. You have to. It's the problem-solving aspect of, sh- of being a chef. And, okay. you know, a lot of people on Instagram, and I used to be a complete hater, and I'll, I will say this, they, I'm not anymore because I appreciate hard work, videography, all that stuff. I used to be a complete hater when someone opens an Instagram account and says, oh, by the way, hi, I'm Chef Elias, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm going to be making you this dish. And I'm like, in my head, like, I went through the garbage. I went through the 16 hours a day. Like... What do you mean, Chef Elias? Like, you have to kind of earn that title, you know? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And there's some people, you know, that went through that route. Some people, you know, either, you know, did Instagrams or supper clubs or something like that. And they worked and worked and slaved. And then, like, after a while, it's like, okay, you deserve that title because mm-hmm. you're, you've done the problem solving. You've, you've bought the meat. The supplier screwed you over, like, where they tell you, oh, by the way, sorry, there's no lamb today. Figure it out. And it's like that's that's what gets gains you that title you know you don't yeah. necessarily have to like work in like production like massive production kitchens or anything like that but i think that's a big thing and just slapping on the name it's like me saying thank you oh i built this lego set i'm engineer Elias. like <laughs> and again it sounds so petty <laughs> it sounds that's so a great petty. example though. it sounds petty but it is a bit true you know yeah i get you. work work hard be humble you want to get to that level where you become a chef, go work in a kitchen, go do more recipes, cook in bulk, have a dinner party, cook for 50 people, cook yeah. for 40. Do that. Mm-hmm. Do it often. Keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Like uh, Then, you know, it's, it's not a matter of a label. Like in Canada where I worked, we weren't allowed to call our chef chef. He's like, call me by my name. This is my name. I, and I don't know why. I think they're super, they're a bit too humble. Okay. Because I didn't know. I'd be like, hey, Alex. You know, it's weird. It's like, yeah, yeah. instead of saying, hey, chef, chef. hey, Alex. <laughs> you know, but that's how they want. It's like, don't call me that. Don't call me a chef or anything. I'm just like you, but we work together and you listen to me. And, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's it, you know, just work hard. And if you, if you want that title, slap the title on yourself. Sure, no problem. You know, <laughs> the, food, the food at the end of the day speaks for itself. I think the food, I, yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, I think at the end of the day, the food will always speak for itself. Um, I want to transition a bit now into some more, more of the business side of things and mm. about Pinch and Dubai and the food and like all that stuff here. So let me start with this because I asked Chang this question. You heard the podcast. Yes. He responded. So I want to see what you would say. So everything Chang says is wrong. Just so <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Chang. You heard that Chang? Yeah, yeah shout out. <laughs> um, so I asked him, "What is because Dubai when it comes to food is, like I said, it, nonstop food, like mm. opening here, there, different sizes, concepts, things. But only you could probably make a list of like." 20 to 30 of probably the best restaurants in Dubai that everyone knows. And there's Mm. a reason those guys stand out. There's a lot of good food. There's a lot of good food, but there is a difference. Chang's perspective was 
a good product uh, marketing is a big thing mm. you said uh, that could lead to the success of like a concept or a restaurant so from your perspective and what you've seen being in the industry for the last like seven years and having a catering business here like producing food mm. what would you say is the key to standing out in such a market like we have here I think um, I agree with him, like the ingredients yeah. and all that, 100%. Like uh, in this time, and this time only Chang is right. No, okay. <laughs> I love you, Chang. Uh, no, he's right. Ingredients, 100%. Consistency, you know, because after a while, people start to take shortcuts, get cheaper staff who mm-hmm. don't understand. It is what it is. You think of the bottom line. It's Yes, it is at the end of the day about the bottom line, but that originality like being being original like you know uh coming up with different things you know daily specials like you have your standard menu which you are consistent at and people yeah. will always come to have that right. one dish and it will always be like that but being a little bit original and i think the marketing aspect helps you know like oh what's going on at restaurant x uh, oh they're doing this now that's so cool we should go check it out oh tuesdays is taco tuesdays night or something like that. it's not an original thing i'm sorry yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but like being able to stand out and being original, I think, is a is a big one. But I think consistency. Consistency is the big one. Don't do not change the ingredients. Even if oh, so and suppliers do this all the time. They go and they go to my purchase guys too. They're like, hey, listen, you're buying stockyard Australian beef. And I'm like, yeah, it's a great beef, right? He's like, listen, I have another Australian one. It's amazing, for twenty five dirhams less per kilo. Oh, that's amazing, and then he starts buying it and. I see this new meat come into my kitchen. I, I tear them all a new one. <laughs> yeah. It's that's where you have to be on top of it. Whoever mm. is running the show, or have someone who's on top. We're very fortunate to have hired an executive chef, uh, Chef Wizzy. Shout out to Chef Wizzy. Shout out, Chef. Uh, he's amazing, and he has. We have. We think alike. We think the same, and he's just like super active and everything. And my whole team is like that. I have an ops team that's spectacular, finance guy. And I think if everyone loves their job and you keep a nice environment, I think that also helps to, you know, keeping a good restaurant environment. No, 100 uh, percent. I think I think environment is a very key one um, because uh, kind of like what me and Chang spoke about, how there's been a rise recently of fast. Uh, was, it, was it fast? Casual? Fine, 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 casual, casual, fine, yeah, ca- fine, casual, casual dining. Um, and you said something uh, there was you said a quote once, which I thought was great. Um, Comfort food does not need to be heavy or unhealthy. It needs to be food that is close to the heart. Oh, wow. I said that a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is, I guess, I, first of all, I love that. I totally understood like what you mean. Yani, when I think of like comfort food, I'm thinking of, yani, the, like, if I haven't had them in a while, like the traditional like Arab dishes, like the mm. ma'lubes, like, yeah. like all that shit, you know, that I'm like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> but the... I wanted to focus on the unhealthy part because typically when, if you tell me like, when people say, oh, I just need some comfort food, Mm. I'm thinking like the fattest, Mm. nastiest thing and I don't care and whatever. But that can, and that can easily become, I guess, a a cycle. So the question I, I had for you is, why is our perception of comfort food that? I think it's, you mean, why is comfort food the heavy stuff? Why do we associate comfort food with like the super heavy, unhealthy stuff? Yeah, I think because it's temporarily while you're eating it, because there's a lot of fat in the food and the fat feels really nice in the mouth. Like yeah. it's, it's very tasty, delicious, Excellent. and you f- kind of feel relaxed, you know, and I'm, I'm a 
big uh, culprit of this. Like whenever I'm not, I'm stressed out or I'm not having a bad time or anything, I'll go for like a burger or something like that. So I think that's why, because it makes you feel good. In the long run, it doesn't. It makes you feel horrible. Like the very next day, you're you, you're horrible. You're groggy yeah. and everything's cloudy. You feel you feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, why why I said that is because you know there's certain dishes like when you go to when you go to Greece, you know Greece. Every restaurant has the same food everywhere on all the <laughs> islands. It's the same food, but it's all fantastic and delicious. So like when you go to one of the Greek restaurants here. And you get, they cook you that fish with the lemon and olive oil and the garlic and, you know, and they do it so perfect and you eat it like it's comfortting. You know, you remember the times when you were in Greece sitting Mm -hmm. on an island, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sipping on a drink and just putting your feet in the water. You remember that. So for me, that's what I meant by comfort food doesn't necessarily have to be heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's comforting for me to eat a nice piece of fish, like a big one. You're enjoying it, and then it's just like takes you kind of back to that. But why we like you, like I said, why we necessarily feel that the heavy stuff is because it makes you feel good. Yeah. At that moment, which it, is the case with a lot of bad things for you. Exactly. Like yeah. a cigarette. Oh my God, it feels so great at this moment. Later, you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it, I think it's kind of that. Yeah, yeah. I th- actually, I never even, I never looked at it like from that perspective. Because, um, like, <clears throat> the example you said, like, I know. Every time, like when, but this is the problem. If I haven't eaten in a while, I get to this point of like, I'm so hungry. Like I just see like red. <laughs> I'm like, whatever's gonna fill this up as much as possible, bring it. But yeah. then this like McDonald's, whatever. But then this, I know, like I know, it's a Khalid. I tell me, you're gonna regret this. But yeah. then you're so hungry, like fuck it, I don't care. The second like I put down like my food to be finished. I lie back. I'm like, what have uh, I done? Oh my I done, god! Khalid, yeah. <laughs> you done it again. You fucking idiots. Worst decision. Why don't you learn? It's uh, unfortunate, but it's a lot good. of I'm completely guilty of this. Yeah. Thousand percent. <laughs> and I, if I tell you otherwise, I'm lying to you right now. It's I'm so guilty, and I think a lot of us are. And I think that's what when you put working out in your regimen, like sometimes you think twice. And I force myself to go now. Recently, I started working out again. I go in the morning because best, if I eat it, if I eat a shitty meal at night. I'm going to feel it tomorrow. And tomorrow's leg day. Like today morning was leg day. And I was thinking of having a late dinner at like 9 p.m. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to eat because yeah. leg day is going to suck. And <laughs> thank God I made that decision. I feel like a million dollars right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about that uh, balance, uh, just mm. finding that balance. You know, I think there's, there is a space for that kind of food and it's there for a reason. It tastes fucking amazing. Mm. You know, no, I'm so bad at that. <clears throat> I think a lot of us are. A I lot think of everyone listening to this podcast yeah. is bad at that. Unless you're like an up. athlete or something, yeah. then yeah, maybe discipline. But <clears throat> that's something you have to learn. Like, and yeah. I'm not. I'm. I have so many friends who are so disciplined and they yeah. eat so well and they they do it. You know, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, crap. How the how the hell do they do that? You know. But I guess yeah. we're all disciplined. Like I'm disciplined with my job. Like yeah, I yeah. make sure everything's working and everything and check in on the team like i guess that everyone has their own form of discipline i'm trying to get the working out thing to be more of a discipline more of a discipline yeah 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 it's it, it comes and goes in waves and stuff i've yeah. been there too you know you have three months four months killing it you don't go for months ah oh, i feel like shit you go yeah. back you travel that's yeah. how it's worth when you travel, travel game over yeah i got back sunday morning i'm like Khas. yeah boom next day gym is wednesday i still haven't gone to the gym uh, I think you with Tarek Rumi did yeah. you so I saw him today morning at the gym because I found out we go to the same gym and I saw him yesterday and he just got off a plane yeah and he went straight to the gym and, yeah, I, but, and I was like yeah, 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 slow but clap Tarek right now is in like a, he's, he's, <laughs> I've known Tarek is one of my best friends 
I've known him for <laughs> over 20 years. He's in, thought of, is in a vibe right now. So uh, hearing that doesn't surprise me. It's the best he's, vibe. He's in that. So yeah. I'm like, man, you. he's like, yeah, come train together. Oh, okay, yeah, down. Don't, what time? don't do it, man. I'm like, no, but I don't mind. I'm like, what time? He's like, 5 a.m. I'm like, fuck yeah. off. I'm not getting up for 5 a.m. Yeah. No, uh, so I saw him today. I, not Yesterday I saw him and he was doing squats and I started counting the plates because I'm a bit competitive, but I'm also like curious. I started counting the number of plates he puts on each side and I stopped. After like I saw 100 something, I'm like, nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, this is going to hurt my ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is going to hurt me. Um, but coming back to uh, the food thing, I wanted to talk about. Um, more about pinch itself now how how you guys how the comp like the process the operations how this is run because uh so when i looked at the website i saw there's like a, there's, there were three menus there's a festive menu there's summer and mm. there's whatever um and how because there's there's like three aspects in my mind that make your business very challenging logistic logistics mm -hmm. supply chain consistently coming up with new menus and um and also, once you do, once you cater an event, performing that like well. Yeah. So just tell like what and like tastings and how long does it take for you? Let's, okay, let's do it one by one. Let's focus on first creating the new menus. How yeah. often do you do it? Where do you get your inspiration from? Is there a bit of because um, you mentioned earlier there's originality, but I think in food you're always copying something yeah, in some it's way. Tough. It's you know, there's easy. no way, you know, yeah. uh, not, not the exact dish, but maybe like, oh, I like what they, how they put that there yeah. or like that extra butter they put there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just tell us how does the food, the menu process kind of work with you guys? So it's good you're asking this now because we're creating a new menu. Okay. We should be done hopefully by the end of the week, okay. next week. So chef and I sat for the last couple of days, late nights, and we're coming up with, you know, different stations, canapes. I gave him full reign on canapes. He's so talented when it comes to these small little bites. Um, so when it comes to like creating, we say, okay, what did we do last year? What went well? What didn't go well? What are the trends in the market? What are people looking at on Instagram? Like, it sucks, but we're constantly scrolling through social media and you see some really cool things. Traveling also gives inspiration. Of you course, know, like course, obviously yeah. you go, let's say you go to Spain, you're traveling. And this, this is the simplest example. You're walking. You go to like buy a roadside shack and they're making paella. And you see how they're making the paella. They're doing it with the bomba rice. They're doing it fresh with the saffron. They're putting different seafood. Like I remember once I saw someone put crabs. I'm like, oh, I never thought of putting crabs. And mm. it, you, there is crab paella. It exists. So we started adding crabs to it. And then obviously the customer's like, oh, no, but can you break it up for us? And then we do that. So I think... Um, I think when it comes, you get a lot of inspiration from everywhere. This is the menu part of the things. I, I forget what the other questions you... Uh, uh, yeah, that was the, uh, the menu side. So does it mm. take... Um, so there's a lot of... sounds like there's a lot of research involved, yeah. getting inspiration from different places, and then composing the dish. And then I'm guessing you go through a tasting process? Yeah, like we creating do. Creating that food and then tweaking it. Exactly. Because you have to keep... You have to try it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you can't. And especially when you're creating, I think sometimes even switching off the social media, switching off everything. I do this thing, uh, I don't know if you know, the sensory deprivation tanks. Uh, have you, I've never done I one. love it. It's my favorite thing. Do they it. have them here? Yeah, point zero uh, in Sky um, Gardens. Oh, no way. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know they have, we have them Buy here. Buy a package, go. It's the first time you do it. It's the scariest thing ever. But then once you like kind of figure out how to do it and like be alone with your thoughts for one hour in mm. complete darkness. Yeah. It helps kind of rejuvenate your mind. And like you sit and you think, okay, like, and you just piece of paper, you know, you say, okay, I want to do a lamb station. What can we do? 
and you start like kind of drawing like a mind map. You say, this is what we've done before. This is uh, kind of the path that we want to go with. What do we do? So sometimes switching off all the social media thing, because sometimes you end up copying other people. Mm. And if you want to be original, you got to like kind of shut everything off and like come up with things. And even when while cooking, you know, sometimes a big mistake could be like, you know, you... I don't know, you add a bit of extra acidity. So it's like, oh, I mean, you know, I'm just going to add a bit of balsamic. I'll see what this does. And it'll taste like crap, you know, but at least you tried. Yeah. Don't be scared to try new things because, and that's the problem with culinary school. If you're, mm. you're kind of within these four walls, this is how you're supposed to poach chicken or this yes. is, this is bechamel. Yeah. This is how you're supposed to make bechamel. And for example, one of my team made bechamel with cream, not milk to do our lasagna which is amazing it's so rich and heavy and i'm like this is the best lasagna i've ever had but that goes outside of the box yes and that's the problem with culinary school you're stuck inside so don't be scared to go outside outside yeah and that was the thing with our catering like you know catering is standard you must do this you must do that you set it up and a lot of customers say well the previous caterer didn't do that i'm like yeah but we're kind of we're different you know Mm. you know our ramadan pop-ups for example it's like it. There needs to be knafe, fatouche, and this. <laughs> cra- no, I refused. What? Uh, I refused. I refused. No, I said no knafe, no lentil soup. You break your fast with a frike chicken soup, whether you like it or not. If you want, I'll do a cauliflower soup for you. Frike is great though. Yeah. So awesome soup. and we Portuguese chicken with frike and all that. I think that's why we got so popular. I'm talking just the Ramadan yeah, yeah, pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. Um, so being a little bit original, and I refused knafe atayef, cooking in a pan. And they're like, that's so American. I'm like, yeah, but you're fasting for 30 days straight. You're eating the same crap every single day. It's good, but 30 days straight? Come on. Everyone you know? gets bored of it. So I think it was a bit of a refresher for us. So I think if you go sometimes against the grain, yeah, it helps you. And that and that's so I sometimes do that. You know, I yeah. say, okay, steak is supposed to be cooked this way. What if I do this? What happens? You try it. And if it's shit, okay, khalas. at least I figured it out, you know? Yeah. At least I tried. Exactly. At least you tried. And mm-hmm. you kind of just answered, uh, I made a note about uh, just now, uh, as, we were ta- as you were talking about tradition mm-hmm. or like classic versus like evolution, you know? And like, like you're just saying, don't be scared to go outside the box. Don't be scared to, you know, try this. But I think when this, so tradition versus evolution, I just had this thought, come... Uh, it, it falls in a very strange area because mm. I can think of three ways that it's different. If you're talking about maybe like cooking like a steak, okay, I don't know how much, okay, there's, an ev- there's space to evolve, but I don't know how much. But then when you go like, let's say, if you take that concept, tradition versus evolution, there's some restaurants that are very classical. This is how it's done, mm. the traditional way. Um, and then, but when you go to like, I just had the thought, when you go to like the Michelin guys, mm. Those guys are creating and breaking every tradition and thing, yeah. but yet keeping its essence in some way. Yeah. So it's a very interesting, like I think in different areas, pe- it applies differently. What would you say? You know, there's the traditional, you know, Napolitana pizza, blah, blah, blah. Like this is how it's done. This is how we've been doing it for hundreds of years. Don't, you can't change it. With the Michelin guys, what you're saying is, yes, they're going, but that that's why you go to these places, you know, to to eat the food in a different way, to enjoy it, to this is this is what the, this is how the art form has kind of evolved. 
But when you're saying it's always kind of goes circles back, I think it's the techniques of how we do things. The things, okay. uh, you know, um, you know, the, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like, for example, we always kind of circle back because these are the techniques that we kind of know and learn. And I think they're taking you outside of your comfort zone, but not, not so much where you're like, fuck this. Yeah, I hate yeah, this. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of like playing with you. They're like, oh, this, they'll, they'll, they'll play with your emotions. I think that's why these Michelin guys are kicking so much ass and you know of all of us aspire to be that they're playing with your emotions right now yeah. it's not just you know yummy food in my mouth it's like you used to eat this back in the day when you were a kid like they'll do the whole balloon thing and then yeah, or the sugar balloon uh, like yeah, sugar alina balloon. yeah what the fuck yeah, who, who thinks of these things oceano like the um, i think chef greg Bebois. i i don't know his full name but he did the foie gras candle like it's a there candle. It's a there freaking candle. And uh, oh, by the way, this is also Fogar. And you're like, what? Like, they they play with your emotions as well. But at the end of the day, it is cooking. It's you know, yeah. and sous vide cooking steak. You know, coming back to yeah. that, like, who thought of putting a piece of steak in a bag, sucking <laughs> out all the air, and cooking it in a water bath? Who thought of that? You know, it's someone who's like, okay, I'm gonna try this. Yeah. So I think, like, I braised brisket, which in Texas, they'll butcher you for that. And we, it's one of our most popular dishes. And Hatem Matar, if, if he listens to this, he'll, he'll, I told him this. He wanted to smack me. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I did it because, and it was good. I liked it. You don't yeah. like it? Fine. That's your, that's on you. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like there's a, um, listening to how you're describing it is, it's an ever, it's an evolved, it's a brand new evolved dish, but the, the building of that dish might sometimes include like the classical techniques you know we're going to cut the carrot this way the sauce is going to be built in a classical way but the combination creates something yeah new. I, th- I think that's the best way because it's a fantastic question and like yeah. how you worded it in a way where yes we're getting this amazing new experience but we're kind of using the old tricks to get there yeah because you know when you're when you're doing anything you do it the way you know how it's done and then you start to kind of venture off i yeah. think that's the best way to describe it yeah uh, just a small question on the sous vide part because it's a funny thing. Mm. Uh, what do you say to the people who say like, oh, sous vide isn't like real cooking? No, it's, it is. It's great. It's, you have a controlled environment because oven, whenever you open the oven and close it, it's brand new. You, yeah. you, you, the Think, temperature right now, yeah, I, think yeah. so. I think sous vide is great. Yeah. We don't do it that often because we're, but we do it for like certain things like chicken, uh, steak, like certain cuts, it's nice to sous vide it, you know, and you just put it on the grill, give it that nice uh, char. And that's it. And yeah. it, it's a great tool. Uh, and I don't, I don't, anyone tells you it's not real cooking. A lot of, a lot of these Michelin guys do it too. I, so. You see it. Like you can yeah. watch millions of uh, videos online of top chefs using it. Yeah. Um, on the, so you've seen them, I'm guessing you've seen the movie Chef. Yes, of course. Which was excellent. Yeah, um, great movie. But the, and you said, uh, you've said a couple of times uh, during our conversation today about, you know, your experience in culinary school and so on, how like, man, the chefs are like bastards. Mm. And, like, and mind you, he's a trained chef. He knows how to cook. Uh, John Favreau, is that his name? No. Uh, uh, are you thinking Bradley Cooper? Yes. Uh, Burns, right? Yeah, bur- you're thinking about Burn. Uh, Burnt. Burnt. Yeah, sorry. Burnt. Burnt is what I was, I was talking Because you said is chef, the John Favreau, yes, yes, the yes. food truck. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. yes, yes. Um, so... Do you like, and I've seen, you know, obviously chef's table online Mm. and like the depth that these guys go into. Mm. I'm like, for you to be at that level, like the Michelin level, Mm. it's not, I think it, I don't think is talent and experience enough. I think you need like, you have to have a certain like, you have to have a certain mind. It has to be a certain person. You can be a great chef, but there's levels to this game, right? 
you have to i think you have a, you have to have a certain mindset you know like ego plays a role obviously uh you know you always trying to being competitive and like trying i want to be better and better and better i think you have to have that creative mind mm. which a lot of us do have you know but there's levels to that like it, these exactly. three michelin star chefs and i feel like it's a dark place it's a scary place to be there because you're you're on a different brain wavelength than everyone else you know and i think it's a very scary thing because you're trying to and you're doing stuff that's so against the norm exactly failure is a lot higher there you is know? higher, yeah. and once you're there once you're up there three michelin stars there's no you can't go further than that <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can only lose stars yeah exactly. which is mortifying if i have three stars and i'm gonna go down to two or one screw that you yeah. know like i don't want that yeah so i think you have to have a certain mindset i i'm i'm i love michelin i love the idea these chef's tables all that stuff I don't necessarily have that mi- li- mindset mm. because I love life too much, and yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been a complete antisocial prick for like five years of the seven years that is pinched. But the last two years, I take weekends off. Yeah, you know, uh, and I know I haven't worked twenty something plus years to say that I deserve it. But like, come on, no, <laughs> life, yeah. Yeah, family, yeah. my my parents, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. like my sister's kids, like I just uh, you know my my loved ones. Yeah. I want to I want to see them. Of course. I think, I guess, at the end of the day, everything is going to come at a price. Yes, 100%. No matter what It's a sacrifice. Do. It's a sacrifice. So if you're that kind of guy, that's how you, But you're not, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. You can still be a great chef without, you know, going to the Michelin level. Um, coming back to Pinch. So uh, from so we talked about the menu and kind of yeah. how you guys, like, build that up. For me, I think the supplier thing must be a fucking nightmare. Because, like, what if... You guys have your best sellers, right? Whatever. And, and what if now an event comes? Okay, you create a new menu and obviously you, you have your best seller. Oh, man, we don't, we don't, don't have, have that. Yeah. And like uh, um, the client's like, oh, we really, really like, mm-hmm. you know, we want you guys because we really want that. What the fuck mm-hmm. do you do, man? Honestly. You figure it out. What else can you do? You can't, re- you can create, a, put a different dish, but you can't replace that That's ingredient. That dish. Right? Uh, you've learned to figure it out but honestly and it took a while we built amazing relationships with our suppliers honestly when you build that relationship and you they they come they start to come over they give you not gifts like for example they'll have a calendar with the name of their company on it they'll give you that they'll come they'll say hi they'll they'll say hey they'll call you the and they'll tell you hey by the way we have some new ingredients you want to come try it out and they'll come over you go visit them at Gulf Food. I always make it. I go every year to Gulf Food. I don't need to. Isn't it right? happening now in like a month? And usually in February. Oh no, you're talking about the um, the one with all the machinery and equipment. I think maybe it's that one. That I usually go to the February one, okay, which fine. is yeah, like yeah, all yeah. the food and supplies. You build a good relationship. You pay them on time because a lot of these guys are not paid on time, which is haram. I feel so. Hard. And when COVID problem, happened, right? a lot of them called us and said, "What's the deal?" Or like just bear with us and obviously and we i've had suppliers for seven years now and wow. that's the thing with me i have i'm an extremely patient person i'm very patient, a little too patient sometimes but go over go step over the line uh, done it's done. hard to yeah. get me back yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's it sucks because we've lost some suppliers but like it was a fruits and veg supplier he he took it too far it's just come on dude like yeah. i asked you this 20 times or there's a certain ingredient that we need. And there was one supplier. And when I first, first, first started, 
um, we were ordering from her because one of the chef told me about it. And we were ordering, ordering, ordering. And then one day I needed like 30 kilos of meat. And that I was nothing. I was cooking from home basically until the kitchen was ready. You know, we were doing like a trial run. And she was like, oh, by the way, uh, we gave your meat to Carrefour. Uh, sorry. And I was like, you're kidding me. Mm. You're fucking kidding me. I, it's tomorrow, the event. I need this meat right now. What did I do? I went to Carrefour, paid triple for it. But I needed it. You have no choice. Damn. Uh, but it doesn't happen. If you have a good relationship with your supplier, it doesn't happen as often because the consequences are dire for them. Because yeah. for us, it's like, oh, you don't have? There's, there's 25 others. Mm. Well, there's 25, and there's so many suppliers now. Yeah. You know, um, using the example of Chang, he does sell very high end. Uh, yeah, they supply lots know, of restaurants. Like they supply Mar- like a couple hundred, four hundred yeah, yeah. plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are alternatives. You know, yeah. uh, they're the best. They're the most consistent. That's why people like working with them. But there are alternatives. Like if one guy screws you over, you go and you don't keep your eggs in one basket. Like we do okay. that with with like certain suppliers with fruits and veg, but meat it's hard because mm. we buy our meat specifically from one place, a certain type. And when they're out, you're screwed. Mm. That's where, and that's where you kind of have to like figure it out. Go to their retail shop, buy it from the retail shop. You have no choice. You buy it from the retail shop, and you call the customer. And if they don't have, you call the customer. And say, listen, we don't have this one. We have this one. Don't worry, we'll compensate you for any price difference or yeah. quality or difference in service. Yeah. So would you say that's the most, I guess, challenging? If I ask you, what's the most challenging part of running your business? Logistics. Logistics, right? It's. Yeah. Getting, I figured it would be, yeah. yeah. Getting food from point A, which is our central kitchen, to point B, which is the home or event. And we do art galleries where no cooking is allowed. We've done it in the middle of the desert. We've been to Skydive Dubai. We've been up Jabal Jais oh, to wow. do an event. Yeah, when Will Smith came. Oh, no so way. So we were catering for the full production team, oh, and no like way. he was there. He's awesome. That's sick. Um, but we logistics is the hard part. And to get there and to serve good quality restaurant type food at the same time and pray to God that you didn't forget anything. Yeah. But when you're up in Jabal Jais, especially, you're 45 minutes up the mountain by car. You forget one thing, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember we made a mistake. Uh, I didn't know what high tea meant, which every British person and their mother knows that high tea is small sandwiches, yeah. cookies. Things. So I asked the person, I'm like, what's high tea? They're like, oh, just some tea and biscuits. and things. I'm, uh, So I'm like, oh, so can I just go to the supermarket and buy these things? She's like, yeah. Because they, they were ordering everything last minute. Okay. So I went to Shreytrams. I bought a bunch of biscuits, chips, all these things. And we took it to the event. And she's like, what's this? I'm like, this is your high tea. She's like, no, mini sandwiches, things like that. So I'm like, shit. So I went all the way down the mountain. I went to like a uh, falafel place. I bought a bunch of falafel. <laughs> I told, and it, by the way, best falafel in the world. And not in the world. In like the UAE. Yeah, it's called yeah. Falafel Abu Naim. Okay, I've never heard best, of it. Best, best mm. in Ras Al Khaimah. It's amazing. And I learned about that, but it was a mistake. And I apologized and I just charged her for the falafel, which was like a few hundred dirhams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, you know, that is the hardest part. And it's so difficult. And then do I borrow a spoon from the customer's house or not? Will they? And you go to the, the nanny that's say, hey, do you mind if we just borrow a spoon, please? Like, just so that we can. Put on the buffet and uh, let me ask Madame and mm, Madame yeah, gets course. angry and yeah 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 it's and dealing with the emotions and because for restaurant let's say I'm inviting to restaurants me and you I'm paying for the two of us but for an event and you did this with us you're paying for everyone yeah you know and you expect and this is your 
like sharafak it's your nobility like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. i'm inviting everyone i don't want to be cheap yeah, yeah i want everything to of be course. perfect yeah, you know, yeah, yeah i pay yeah. top dollar for a pinch gourmet so it, you cannot it's the you cannot fuck up yeah it's so difficult and you're and again i'm not in my central kitchen or my restaurant where i'm comfortable where i know where everything is i'm in your home yeah and everything and when we arrive to people's homes everything's plastic wrapped and everything mm-hmm. so it doesn't look nice so yeah. when they see that, they're like, oh, my God, this is what I paid for. It's like, whoa, whoa relax. Uh, just the tables yeah. are plastic crap, but this is for hygienic reasons. Let's yeah, unwrap yeah, yeah. it, set yeah, it up, yeah. and kind of anxiety. Because for a lot of these people, it's like, I cannot, they get embarrassed. You know, yeah, yeah. make sure there's enough food. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's, all, that's also Make sure one. there's enough food, and that's mm. a scary one. It's like, okay, we can add more food, but it's going to cost you more, and it's it's so difficult i think that and logistics thousand percent it's so difficult it's so hard and Mm. yeah i think that's the part that i dread the most yeah i can i can imagine you know just thinking about how catering works like that would be like like, think about taking a cake to someone's house or like a couple of dishes to someone's house like think about the logistics of putting the pot and covering it in blankets so that you make sure it stays hot and all (laughs) you you're like and think of that on a big scale but an event it's it's so difficult but it's fun, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we learned a lot, and our confidence kind of built up. We can do anything now. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. we we catered in the middle of the mountains in Ras Al Khaimah. We can do everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, th- but those are nice, like you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like here's my bicep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, these are like the the army, the stripes that I've earned. Yeah. Um, uh, so it sounds like the okay. So biggest challenge is logistics. Now you've been running, you've been doing pinch for seven years. Seven years. I'm sure you've been through a lot in yeah. seven years. Could you tell us what is the biggest mistake you ever made or like a horror story? If you can, of course. You don't have to say the client's name, but like from your experience. Um, or And then what was the biggest, I guess, learning that you've had in the past seven years running Pinch? Um, so biggest mistake, that's because we've messed up so many times. Well, like, sure, you know, yeah, like we're normal. not perfect. Yeah, of course not. Uh, I think forgetting certain dishes i remember in the very very beginning and i think this one sticks to me because it happened in the beginning Th- which and, is why I was and so that was painful but yeah. we've done worse we've done much worse but this is the only example i can think about in my head we had an event with this lady and she is lovely and she's so good and she's done several events and she'll pay like 800 dirhams a person like she and six seven people that's it and lobsters and thing and i f- i fucked up i and it it was for the first time it wasn't anyone else's fault uh, it was you, my fault because yeah. I made the quotation with her and she called me she's like hey add these two additional salads and I was driving I'm like yeah sure no problem uh, I can do that completely forgot you know and then I made the invoice with the new salad and the guys cooked everything made the invoice with the new salad and then I started calling everything I'm like okay is this in is this in I'm like what about the lentil salad and they all look at me they're like lentil salad. I'm like, yeah, there's two additional salads, the lentil salad thing. And then I started going, I'm like, guys, I told you about this. And they're like, no, you didn't. And then I like, I froze and I'm like, fuck, I didn't. Mm. I didn't. And that was the first time that I had to own up to something like that heavy. And yeah. I, and we went to the event. And for some reason, you know when people have that feeling where they know? Mm. So we get to the house and we're setting up everything. And there's no time. There's no time to make another salad. We don't have the ingredients. We don't have anything. We go and we're putting everything and I'm waiting to kind of, you know, sit with the, because she's with her guests and mm. I wanted to tell her, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I fucked up. I didn't. 
And she's going, and I can see her going to the kitchen, and she's like, hey, guys, everything's set up. Can you please start setting up? Oh, what, what about the salads, the two salads? And I was just like, my heart dropped. Yeah, I went yeah, to her, yeah. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's kind of go like this, yep. I'm like, my bad. that's on me. It's not them. I fucked up. I didn't write it down. I completely forgot. When you told me, I said yes, and I didn't write it down. I'm really, really sorry. And she was a bit upset, you know, and everything. And I comped every like almost everything 30 percent this guy i tried everything and she be, she was still a customer you know she'll yeah. still order and she's a lovely human being and her husband's great but i i felt that one that yeah. was that was and i've we fucked up way more than this but i think that one kind of hit because it was the first one exactly i forget always, what, was, what was the second question uh, yeah. the biggest lesson i guess you've learned Oh, uh, I think COVID was the biggest. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuck, we didn't talk about COVID. COVID was the biggest yeah. kick in the nuts for us. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Um, so with us, COVID, obviously, we lost most of our business uh, overnight. It's not like, you know, oh, yeah. people are still kind of coming to the restaurant. It's like, oh, we have a gathering of 50 people. It's a bit, no, cancel. And we had like 20 events. Sorry, not 20, 16 events in March. Just cancel one after wow. the other. And March is our busiest month. March and December. Or two. Why March? Because it's close March, to the end of the season. The okay. weather's getting shit. Everyone's like, "Oh shit, I have to okay. throw my pool party." Oh, oh shit, okay, I have to do yeah. this. So we get super busy, <laughs> and the weather's true. the weather's beautiful. Amazing, yeah, the weather's great. So that happened, and then overnight, it's just like, "Hey, by the way, there's no business." Uh, hey, by the way, there's restrictions. You can't go out. So that was so painful, and like just. And then we started a delivery service where we're sending mm. daily dishes to people. You know, 30 dirhams, dude. What can you make with 30 dirhams? But we did it. And we started, hey, you want to add a soup and salad? You want a dessert? We started adding. And it kind of kept us a little bit afloat. But it was just so difficult. And I, we were reaching that point where we had hired, you know, more staff. We hired more people. We were ready to kind of break out of yeah. just breaking even or losing money every month to, like, going above and beyond. And that was postponed yet again another year. Yeah. And that was so painful for me. And I, I felt so entitled. I'm like, but I deserve this. I worked so hard. I did the hours. It's not fair. Yeah. You know, and, I and started, it's not, it's yeah, not I, fair. I started going into this thing of that, the world owes me this. This mm. is not fair. I put in my fucking time. Unfair, unfair. And then I think after time went on and like, you know, we started kind of spiraling down. We couldn't afford to get new stations. We couldn't afford to get new staff. And people would be like, I get a call and like, hey, listen, we ordered from you. It wasn't that great, but like, I'll give you guys the benefit of the doubt. And when we started getting that, you know, I felt so out of control. And I think, you know, my ego was hit so badly. And I, and I never thought I had an ego. Like, we all have an ego to a certain extent. But I realized that my ego was really getting in the way. And I needed to start looking at different avenues to, you know, keep this company afloat. So I started looking at production, you know, producing food for people mm -hmm. that are going to be in supermarkets. We started looking at doing corporates. Hey, 40, 50 dirhams? Sure, no problem. I'll do it for you. Like, uh, how do you want it? Like, uh, so I started doing that. And I kind of, I think the biggest learning lesson for me was kind of letting my ego go. It's like, hey, listen, you're a businessman now. Run the company the way it's supposed to be run. Have your fun with the events venture off into side projects that's where you can have your fun but it's a business at the end of the day people invested money you need to do what's in the interest of the investors and not because you want to be seen as like this big fmb guy or chef mm. so i think that was my biggest lesson personally yeah. and that was and i didn't realize that i had all this you know this feeling and animosity built up inside of me 
And I started like, you know, I was always looking at, oh my God, what are they doing? How They're doing so much better. What the hell? What are they doing that's different? Oh, they have, they have this person and that person. Oh, we need that. Yeah. Okay, let's go get this person and that person. And then I'm just like, yo, just enjoy the process. Try and make money. Build a business. Build a very nice environment. It's not all about you. You're building a community, kind of. And you're like, you're, 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 and one thing I started doing a lot more was I started kind of reaching out to all of the FMB people and just like, hey, you guys have the same interests as I do. I want to be friends with all of you. Mm. I like you. I don't mm. like you. But I like all of them. Mm. They're great people. They're fun. They're creatives. You know, even the ones that you see on Instagram that are like kind of in your face. That's a person like, you know, why are you being in the face? It's like, oh, you know, because this is how I was feeling. Oh, OK, cool. You know, so. I think I think that's the biggest lesson for me. Yeah, I don't know if that ever happened to you with like podcasting or anything. Like. It's so funny it, when you said like when it's so funny that you said that because when you said oh I let I had to let my ego go. I'm like, okay, let me see what he means. So I'm I would say at the moment I'm kind of in that phase myself. Mm. Um, so my end goal for me personally is for the podcast to be my like my life. Yeah. You know, so that. So if everything else, if I stop doing everything else, I'm a podcast and I have a good life and I can make a living. That's mm. my goal. Yeah. So that's one side. Now, fortunately, on like in while this is happening, I'm doing now consulting. So this mm. is more of like a business thing that I like I'm creating a business that I'm trying to do. And I do some digital marketing sales as well. So I have other things going on. But when you said let go of your ego, it's interesting because... When I work with a client, if I'm working with a client, I'm going to be very, um, what's the word? I'm going to tell you always go niche. Yeah. What do you like? What's, who's your audience? What's the target? What's all that? Like super niche. Mm. Like get super niche and make the podcast about that. Yeah. This is who you want to serve, right? So, but now, so I'm giving that advice to a client. Now, if I want to look at my podcast, for example, and start thinking of it as a business, that's where my ego comes in. Mm. And I'm like, no. I don't, I don't want to be, I've had this discussion many times with different people. Everyone gives you a different answer. Yeah. There's, there's no right. Um, I think niche, you go faster, uh, maybe build an audience uh, quicker because, yeah. you know, you're really serving like one, one community. Um, but for example, with my podcast, I'm just trying, what I love about it is the variety. Yeah. It's talking to people like you like all these um yani your episode 85 so yani, oh, this, nice. it's a yeah good number. it's a good number great number <laughs> um so yani i've spoken to a five people about so many different yeah. things i've had the opportunity to meet meet people network business opportunities have come up because of it doing it my way yeah. am i where i want to be absolutely not mm. i think i should be way further along and that, that's why i was resonating with so many things you said like I was like, no, I deserve to be yeah. like further along than where I am. Why the fuck am I, I here? I spoke to 85 people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I deserve to be further. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like you, that you, the work is there. The mm. proof is there. You've put in the work. Yeah. And, you know, the old adage is, you know, hard work, consistent plus consistency plus time equals results. So, yeah. but that's also a very, um, what's the word? It, it, it's a very, there's an emotional balancing act mm. that you kind of have to do with yourself. So, when you were talking about ego in particular, I was like, damn. Yeah. Like, is that what I have to do? Like, but I, I like, I love doing it this way. And this is and what I, I think love. you should continue because you know, you're staying true to yourself. Yeah. This like, is, don't lose sight of that. I this don't is it who be, you are. Yeah. I don't want it to become some, I don't want podcasting to become something that I don't want to do. 
Mm. You know, because like on <clears throat> my background is okay. I'm a hypnotherapist as well. So oh, cool. people were like, oh, maybe you should like me- uh, the beginning, especially the first 20, I'd say were very mental health focused um, just because it's an area I'm passionate about, yeah. not because of anything. But um, I'm like, how many, how many times do I want to talk about that, bro? Yeah. Like, khalas, <laughs> yeah. You want to learn. I want to learn. You want to learn from learn different it. people. I'm like, this guy does some cool shit. Who are you? Why yeah. do you do this? Let me learn. Let me learn from you. So doing what I've done. I've learned more about industries that I've ze- about zero idea about than I ever would if I was just yeah. niche. But again, it's it's a person it's a personal thing. But that's why I resonated so much with everything you just said. I'm like, I feel the same way as him. Honestly. And when you when you listen to this podcast, and I, I told you this, you feel that you're being yourself. You're calm, collected. Yes, you did your homework. You pulled out a quote out of your ass that I said like six years ago. <laughs> yes, sir. Which well done to you. You did your research and everything, but you enjoy it. And Love I think it. the more you enjoy, I enjoy cooking. It's fun, you know, being on the line, like being a little bit out of control. Like it's fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's a passion thing. And yeah. I don't see myself. I, I can't do a nine to five. I really yeah. can't. I go and like my guys tell me, wear a suit. I, sometimes I come like hat and T-shirt to work. Then I have a meeting with someone I'm like, fuck, I, I look like shit. But like, this is this is who I am. Yeah. Know? And stay true to yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't think there's a uh, right or wrong answer. I think. At the end of the day, everyone just does what they think mm. is best for them. But maybe, who knows, maybe in like six months, they'll be like, fuck all that. No, let's do this. You yeah. know? But uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, Elias, I just had uh, a few more questions for you. Uh, number one, um, uh, kind of building on what you just said about expanding. You, COVID forced you to, I guess, expand the business now. Now mm. that you have food packaging, uh, you guys do retail, uh, consulting. Like what started as a catering company now uh, just purely catering for like an event or for a home now has so many different like moving parts and legs and revenue streams and potentials so uh but it's interesting also that as it's been growing you still are at all the events you still love the cooking and all that so i guess for you the question is what's the dream what do you always want to be like what's the dream for pinch is this something that you always want to be doing do you always want to be there or at a certain time, do you want to like, I guess, move on to something else, have someone else run this for you? Like, what is, I guess, what's the long-term vision for you? What do you have in mind? Well, for like, I started to see Pinch now as a bit of like a food solution type of thing. Like, uh, oh, interesting. So like nice. photography companies now, I realize they do productions and things like that and they need food. So it's like, oh, we can be there. Where's your event? Oh, it's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, sure, we can go there. So I kind of want to be like a solution to all your food problems. So that's that's one. I but love that. That's really cool. Personally, for me, yeah. as Elias, not Pinch, you yes. know, for Pinches now it's kind of becoming this well-oiled machine. It's not there yet. All small companies, and you walk into any company, you'll find a million things wrong with it, you know. And day by day, you have to learn to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, Vision for me is I, I kind of want to be dabbled into different aspects of food, you know, and be more into the community. I realize how much I have so much appreciation for everyone in the community. And like you have the people that obsess over certain dishes and I want to be a part of that. I want to be. And I think my next venture will be is now that the company is able to kind of sustain itself and run itself yeah, exactly. because we have fantastic people like it's not a one-man show. Absolutely. I'm not Pinch Gourmet. Yeah, I, yeah. If I leave tomorrow, I think I'm I'm 100% certain that the team that's on board can manage it without me. It will yeah. be obviously a bit difficult because yeah, yeah, of, of certain operational yes. things. 
but I I think one week max. I've traveled. I've traveled. They the team has allowed me to travel kind of carefree, which yeah. I love, and yeah. they've given me that, and I have so much appreciation for them. Yeah. So I think now that I'm able to do that, I kind of want to venture into something personally, which I can obsess over. Okay. So, for example, you have Neha who did Kinoya, but she started off as a supper club yeah. where she obsessed over ramen noodles. Yeah. You have Hatem Mata that obsessed over brisket and uh, Texan style, and uh, the Middle East first pitmaster, which, by the way, had some brilliant marketing. Like, he is. He's the first pitmaster. And he obsessed over this one thing, and I'm sure the first couple of briskets sucked. Same with Neha. The first couple of ramen sucked. But they obsessed and made it something. I I, I kind of now want to venture into that. I want to obsess over one thing because okay. catering you can't you cannot unfortunately. Yeah, you need that variety, right? So I and I have a bit of an idea. I'm keeping this one to myself. Hopefully, if ever you know we do this again, I want to be talking to you about that about thing that, that thing. I'm obsessing over. Then we'll keep it as that yeah. for round two. Then yeah. Um. Yeah, man. For me, my dream is so. I want to let's bring this all back full circle. So at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about being a foodie is not is not just oh I like to go out and eat at restaurants. Um, I think there should be like a certification. You want to say that? You gotta go to you gotta go to college. (laughs) You gotta be like a six month course or something like that. Yeah, and get a foodie certificate. Then no, no, I I (laughs) I'm so bitter. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. (laughs) Such a negative answer. Um, my dream, like a dream, um. I just love food. Okay, mm. um, I consider I can sit self self proclaimed as well. No one has given me any accolades that I think I know what good food is. I think I set for myself like I have a very high bar for food. Mm. Like I believe that you know it can be good, but if it's just here and it wasn't here, I probably won't order for you from you again. Or I won't eat this again. Mm. My dream, and I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I want to get these guys. I was just in Amsterdam um, for uh, my bachelor party with the guys. And, uh, I, nice. and I took them to, um, so I lived when I lived there for three years, one of the first restaurants I found was a ramen restaurant. Okay. Elias, I swear to God, there's not a single place I've ever had. And all the places I've gone since discovering that place, mm. that was even... Not like you can't even put it in the conversation, wow. man. It's real, and I've gone around here. I've gone every. I'm on. You like, said you went to Japan or something. Have you been? No, you know. I, I I've been, but I was a lot younger. I was okay. back when I was like 15. Okay, so I, that's definitely an extra. Yeah, for me. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess for you, so is so my dream is to open like a ramen place, but like the best of the best of the best like that level or better it has mm. like that's my that's my benchmark um so is it kind of like you that you is it when you say you want to obsess over something you want to obsess over like a one di- thing one thing and not necessarily one dish but like okay. a like, concept yeah that surrounds that i guess i want to say an ingredients okay, uh, okay. like kind of like that i want to kind of obsess okay. over that one thing and to to add on what you said i think like there's there's no like you said there's no barrier to entry yeah the only barrier is yourself like yeah. you need to obsess you need to do the work watch every video like i've seen so many videos there's this one kid joshua wiseman have you seen him he, i subscribe he's, he's excellent he, bro. he had like maybe when i first started watching him like maybe 20 maybe 50,000 followers then his sourdough because covid everyone got stuck at home so it's like how to make sourdough starter and his video was really good 
So people start watching his videos and then they start looking at his old videos. Like, oh shit, this kid is good. Oh, once a week I'm getting a recipe. Oh, and now he has four million. Yeah. I have his cookbook. Yeah, yeah. I pre I've never pre-ordered anything in my life. <laughs> I ordered this kid. Is that good? Is that good cookbook? It's it's good. It's good. Uh, obviously, his videos are a lot nicer. Yeah, of course. Uh, but it's a great cookbook because it has all the YouTube recipes, and it's fun. It's called an unapologetic uh, cookbook. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like uh, he's basically saying, "This is who I am, and I'm not sorry." But he's a nice guy, so yeah, it's not yeah. like he's a piece of shit. And yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. I'm not sorry, but he's a good guy. He's great, great. He's so talented. Yeah, so talented. He's he's a beast. Yeah. Really, really like his videos even the, like the quality of them uh, i like the ideas that he does like the mine versus like wendy's and like you yeah, see yeah. the difference uh, like, thought, what is it called uh, but better but better yeah, yeah, yeah but I, better i thought that was really really cool um and he's 27 and that's so he started crazy. us at like 23 maybe 24 that's crazy. yeah that's crazy on uh, just a small side note on the what you just said what if if i can get everything on youtube now what's the point of a cookbook you know what I mean? Like when you said a oh, cookbook, but you can check out YouTube stuff in my head. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what's why are cookbooks still a thing? Is it just like to put that? Does it give you like an extra stamp of like credibility? Like, oh, I have my own cookbook. And what makes a good cookbook? Well, it's a shit cookbook. I would have no idea. Uh, that's a that's a good one. Well, listen, I love cookbooks. I've been I most of the cookbooks I I have are gifted to me. Okay. You know, and one of one and one of my favorite gifts. It wasn't a cookbook. It was actually Anthony Bourdain's first book, Kitchen okay. Confidential. Because uh, I was going through hell in the kitchen. And my friend's like, hey, by the way, have you heard of this guy, Anthony Bourdain? I'm like, no. She's like, read this book. And you'll you'll start to enjoy work a lot more. And I read it and he talks about how shitty it is and everyone's doing drugs. Obviously, like, I didn't go down that route. Yeah. But, like, it's 16 hours, like, the brigade, you know, we do it for the team, that type of yeah, thing. Yeah. So that was a good one. But when it comes to cookbooks, I don't know. I like the, the feel of paper. And okay. who knows? Maybe soon okay. cookbooks will be completely obsolete. Yeah. Like, maybe 20, 30 years down the line. Having a cooking show is, you know, going to be the is the nice the better than having a cookbook. Yeah, I just like them. They're nice gifts, nice pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie Madison, he's a chef. Uh, he's to, uh, you, I guess you know him. He's a chef from Toronto. He's amazing. Bro. And he basically made fun of Food Network, and he'd be like, "I'm in my shitty Toronto apartment, and I'm making a big <laughs> tub of fucking mac and cheese." And th- I was drawn to that because yeah. I was like, I love cooking. And I worked in restaurants, and these are the people that I deal with, as opposed to like the Rachel Ray's, which again, I'm not taking anything away from her. She's fantastic, and all of them are fantastic, but he made it fun. Yeah. You know, fuck you, this is my salmon, you know, or like, and I resonate more with that kind of uh, cooking. So do I, like 100%. Like people like him, uh, Action Bronson is pretty, like, I love him. He knows knows food, man. I don't know how much he's, I don't know how good he is as a cook, but like, he's amazing. And he He lost like, hundred something kilos he he's a unreal. he's a machine what man f- yeah. but these are the kind of guy i like though like the guys that we just talked about they are excellent chefs mm. and cooks but they do it without that like air of like superiority mm. or that you know flash like oh i'm the chef you must listen but these to are me. these are these are cooks these are chefs yeah, yeah. so would you this consider is- them chefs 100 percent Okay. A thousand because they are. Okay. These guys open their own restaurants. They work. They work on the line. Like Maddie Madison used to tour because he loved touring with punk bands, but he needed to pay. So he'd go work in kitchens and everything to make some money, go tour with punk bands, like do a lot of drugs and alcohol <laughs> yeah. and everything. And he got out of that, obviously, eventually. And people realize he's a fun character. And he realized that. And I think he started cooking. 
And like what you asked me what makes a good cookbook, I think when it's not too standard and specific, like there's a chef and I, I was fortunate to meet him. His name is Chuck Hughes, a Canadian chef, a Montrealer, very Quebec. Uh, uh, he's <laughs> super tall and like good looking guy. And all of his tattoos are of things that he loves. So his favorite cooking temperature, uh, lemon oh meringue God. pie, okay. a lobster. And all of his restaurants are filled with like skateboarder stickers but it's amazing food. And his cookbook, one of, so he had a Garde Manger cookbook, which is a bit standard, you know, starters, main courses. But he made the titles fun, like amazing dishes. Mm. You know, that's how he says amazing. Yeah. And the second cookbook was dedicated to everyone in his life. So he did the landlords. So he'd have four dishes that were Greek. His landlords were Greek. Then he'd have his tattoo artist book uh, section dedicated to him. Then his... His That's family, really cool. That's then really cool. the the Spice Guys, you know. So I love that, you know, and beautiful pictures, and you know, here are different uh, drinks that you can add to this. Another great, and I think this is a top cookbook, is El Bulli's um, home cooking, the, the 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 home meal or something like that, which is basically every staff meal at El Bulli uh, that they do thirty days, and it's a appetizer, main course, dessert. And each recipe has a picture. Each recipe has maybe 20 pictures of each step. And it's such a good book. And it's so well done. It's like home cooking. And this is what they eat. Yeah. You guys are eating a 14, 15 course meal. You're paying an arm and a leg. This is what we eat in the back. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I yeah. love that book. Yeah. No, that, that concept actually sounds mm. like a really good like idea for a cookbook. Um, yes, uh, I think... Me and you could sit in here for like 10 hours probably and keep <laughs> talking about food. It. And definitely, no, there's no such thing as overdoing yeah. it. Um, uh, I've had so much fun. Like, this has been such a fun conversation. Mm -hmm. I love food and I love speaking to people in food because I learn because I don't know. Yeah. I just eat it. I yeah, just exactly. eat it. And that's all I know. And I love speaking to people in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my last two questions, these are questions I ask all my guests. Um, looking back, either personally or professionally, whatever comes to mind first. If I ask you, Ilyas, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? Oof. Uh, what am I most proud of? I think the fact that I've become like, an, I don't want to say an integral part, but I, I've become a part of a beautiful community, which is the FNB community here in Dubai. Yeah. Like I've been accepted and like we, I consider them all my friends. And I think in order, you kind of have to earn your stripes to be a part of it. And I think that's one thing I'm proud of, along with the fact that, you know, as Pinch, like we managed to win two very prestigious awards, uh, which is the Cato Awards two years in a row. Yeah. We've been nominated for year three. And I'm shaking because I don't think we're going to get it. I always think that every year. Nope, we're not no. going to get it. <laughs> and I hope I hope we do win it again. But I think these are but mostly being a part of such a beautiful community. Yeah. I think that's one thing I'm very proud of. That's awesome, man. And it's so it's interesting that Chang echoes the same things that you said. Oh, about, did he say that? No, no, I want to change my answer quickly. No, 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 no. <laughs> about more about like the um, the F and B community here. Yeah, you know, he's like, I love. Beautiful. He loves the community. He loves being a part of it. I hear it from Tarit too. Like yeah. you know, he knows everyone in food as well. So, um, but I, I, it's cool that you what you said that like I had to earn my stripes first mm. before I could be accepted. I Which some people are trying to skip. Well, <laughs> some people are trying to skip but yeah, you know yeah. i guess uh, it's cutthroat like, it, like don't skip the steps <laughs> yeah the people who do it right will stay and the ones who don't are gonna follow it yeah. that's what happens with every business and everything and for my last question Ilyas, what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today oh wow okay 
honestly, I think what I said earlier, uh, let go of your ego. Let go it of your get, ego. Like I, I, what did Chang say? Chang said, I, Chang, and he also told it to me one time, which is like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. For, I love that, and you know, kudos to him for like figuring that out earlier. I think, don't let your ego get the better of you. I think that's a big one, especially in our culture here in the Arab world. It's very you know, ego is a huge. It's a huge thing, you know, and stuff, I yeah. see it with our, you know, our fathers, our uncles, you know, in the older generation you know be prepared it be, it's okay to be a, make your make a fool of yourself you know if you're mm. going for a greater thing and you know set it aside you know like you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna fuck up you're gonna do all this and you know as chang said don't take yourself too seriously just yeah. like push all that aside don't because for me and i i don't think i have an ego but when I went through that really rough time, I realized, I'm like, okay, this is the one thing that was getting in my way. Exactly. I yeah. wanted to be acknowledged. I wanted to be known as the best chef or the best kid. I don't care. No. Do the best that, I, that you can. Strive for greatness. And if you don't get it, there's other ways. But don't let this one thing, and it's, it's a huge thing. And I'm pretty sure like people talk about it. Mm. Your ego is a very dangerous thing. So Yeah, could it be your friend? Set it aside. Your, it could yeah. be your friend. Or it could be your biggest obstacle. Like exactly. You said, right. you learn to manage it. Learn to control it, I think, is the best way to, to say that. Yeah, I think that is amazing advice um first time someone's actually said that all right so, yes so, uh, so originality like, yes Boom. there you go done <laughs> um i really like that man i think it's such a great message i think um so many times kind of like you said we what's interesting in your story is that you weren't aware of it until you went through a situation like oh i do have one and is it helping me or is it not mm. and i guess just keeping yourself in check and you know just trying to like i guess stay humble and keep doing what you're doing is amazing man yeah uh Elias, i want to say thank you so much bro, for coming on the show this <laughs> Thanks, has been man. so much fucking fun really yeah. honestly i've had a great time i've learned so much about you know catering business about you about food about the industry here it's really really been amazing man so i appreciate it mabrook on pinch and everything you guys thank done thank you man thanks for the great party the other time uh, the anytime, food was, man. everyone mm. by the way across the board everyone's like build that food i'm like i know <laughs> amazing um, um and good and good job to you on what you're doing here thank you, i man. i appreciate i it. have a huge appreciation and you're doing a fantastic job thanks man that's really kind of you to say um uh, where can people find you get in touch they want to work with you uh so pinchgourmet.com is our website our menu should be out within the next two weeks uh, Instagram, all of our information's there. Just come check us out. Uh, the prices look crazy sometimes and everything, but we work with all budgets. Like mm -hmm. we're we've dropped our egos, <laughs> <laughs> therefore we are happy to work with everyone. And the food's fucking good. Oh, thank you, sir. For experience. Uh, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Guys, man, you heard it here. If you want to get in touch with Elias, work with him. Uh, Pinch Gourmet on Instagram or you know his personal one. Guys, as always, to everyone listening, thank you so much. Please follow, subscribe, share this motherfucker with everyone. Do and it. as always, guys, hope it helps. Peace.